I hunt and camp, and I'm not afraid of the woods. I still go solo backpacking. Back when I was in my early 20s, I went camping or hunting by myself in northern Georgia near a town called Hiawassee. Camp was a mile or two down a sketchy dirt road, and I hiked up a mountain to a spot I liked to hunt another half mile or so. Anyway, it started to get dark, and it started to snow, and I didn't see any deer, so I gathered my gear and decided to head back to camp. When I got up and turned around, I was about 15 yards away from the biggest black bear I've ever seen. We locked eyes and I froze. Easily a 500 pounds or more bear. All I had was my 12-gauge slugger. Thankfully the bear turned and ran away. I slept in my car that night as I was alone out there, and for a while I was afraid of camping alone that deep in the woods. Eric Johnson was a man who belonged to two worlds, the bustling realm of his family and the serene depths of the ocean. Tall and muscular, with a weathered face that spoke of countless hours spent under the sun, Eric possessed a rugged charm that matched his adventurous spirit. His salt and pepper hair framed a pair of piercing blue eyes that reflected his deep love for the sea. The ocean had always called to him, captivating his imagination with its mysteries and enchanting beauty. But hidden beneath Eric's love for the ocean was an unyielding fear and unspoken dread of the unknown lurking within the deep. This fear had its roots in a childhood incident etched into his memory. As a young boy, Eric had witnessed a terrifying creature emerge from the shadowy depths of the ocean, its monstrous form haunting his dreams ever since. Despite this deep-rooted phobia, Eric couldn't resist the pull of the ocean's allure. It was as if an invisible force beckoned him to confront his fears, to unravel the mysteries that had plagued him for so long. And so, with trepidation and determination intertwined, Eric made the decision to embark on an expedition to an uncharted region of the ocean, an endeavor that would test his courage in ways he couldn't have imagined. Accompanied by a team of marine researchers and fellow divers, Eric descended into the watery abyss. The journey began with a mix of excitement and unease, as strange and foreboding signs began to reveal themselves. A missing research vessel whispered tales of bizarre occurrences in the deep, and eerie oceanic phenomena that defied rational explanation, all of these cast a haunting aura over the expedition. But it was during a routine dive, beneath the weight of unfathomable depths, that Eric's worst nightmares manifested into a chilling reality. As he maneuvered through the dark currents, a sudden shift in the water alerted him to a presence unlike anything he had encountered before. His heart raced as he turned to face the behemoth before him a creature of colossal proportions, dwarfing any known species that inhabited the ocean's depths. Its massive form, resembling a monstrous shark from the pages of ancient legends, sent shivers down Eric's spine. Its cold, malevolent eyes pierced through the murky waters, locking onto his own, freezing him in place. The creature possessed a primal power that surpassed even that of the mighty white shark an embodiment of pure terror that awakened every dormant fear within Eric's soul. In a frenzy of violence, the monstrous beast attacked the team, its ferocity leaving no room for escape. Panic consumed the divers, their futile attempts to ward off the creature only feeding its insatiable hunger. 
The once unified team became a scattered chaos, their cries swallowed by the unforgiving depths. But Eric, driven by an instinct for survival and a desperate will to defy his fate, found himself doing the unimaginable. He became the antithesis of his fellow divers, moving with calculated precision, dodging the creature's relentless assaults. His mind, fueled by fear and adrenaline, deciphered a pattern in its relentless attacks, a pattern he exploited to his advantage. Finally, a moment of opportunity arose. Eric seized it, swimming with every ounce of strength left in his battered body. In a burst of sheer willpower, he broke free from the clutches of the abyssal horror, ascending towards the surface where salvation awaited. Gasping for air, his heart pounding, Eric pulled himself onto the safety of the waiting boat. He glanced back at the haunting abyss, knowing deep within his soul that he would never return to those treacherous depths again. The harrowing encounter had forever altered his perception of the ocean, transforming it from a sanctuary of wonder to a realm of nightmares. As the boat sailed back to port, Eric carried with him the scars of his encounter an indelible mark etched upon his spirit. When I was a teenager in early 2000s South London, there was a rumor in my high school that there was a naked man who looked like Father Christmas in the woods. We relished that story, but all secretly understood it to be an urban legend. After school, me and my friends would go to the park five minutes away from the school to play on the tire swing and make daisy chains, talk about boys, etc. The park was on a seam of ancient woods. It was more or less a rectangular shape with a large rectangular grassy green in the middle surrounded by woodland on three sides. The grassy green had a children's playground on the right-hand side, butting up to the woodland on one side. The children's playground was large, with an assortment of equipment for both young and older children, and was gated off from the rest of the park by two meters high metal railings. One summer's evening after school, we were hanging out in the children's park by the tire swing, as we usually did, when I noticed an unusual movement in the trees that bordered the other side of the metal railing. All I could see was a mixture of green and brown tones amidst the shadows of the in the woodland, so I approached the metal railings of the children's park to get a better view. The woodland had a kind of opening in it, at the center of which stood a large old oak tree. Dappled light filtered through the canopy to the foot of the oak tree, forming a natural stage before the audience of children's playground. As my eyes began to focus, I realized that right in the middle of the stage was a young man, about 30 years old, stood staring at us. A group of three teenage girls in their school uniforms. Our eyes transfixed for a moment before I looked down and screamed. My eyes locked on him in terror, but he did not avert his gaze. He stood there, watching us, while completely naked, touching himself vigorously. My friends ran over to my side and followed my eyeline. Horrified, they grabbed me, pulled me out of my shock and out of the park, and we ran home. It was just before the time when mobile phones were ubiquitous, so we did not call the police, and that was the end of the matter. But twenty years later, I always wonder if that man went on to do anything worse. There was another incident that happened a little while later, but I don't know if it was connected.
I spent three months in northwestern Utah in 1999 doing graduate field work. I was alone for almost all of it. I read Lord of the Rings, played guitar, laid in the dirt staring up at the stars. Very fun. Anyhow, one night as I was sleeping, I heard a strange noise see edit below around 3 a.m. that jolted me awake instantly. I was in a tent and about 30 feet away from me. I heard a grunt that lasted about 4 seconds. Maybe it was a throat clearing. It was an animal noise. Most alarmingly though, it had a definitely aggressive tone to it. It sounded like a challenge. There were no bears in the area but mountain lions were possible, although quite rare. I didn't hear any of the insane mating calls for the three months. I sat bolt upright and grabbed my flashlight. I had no weapons with me other than a small knife, and that was somewhere with the cook gear. I waited, quiet as a mouse for about 30 seconds listening for any noise. It was dead quiet. I could have heard anything, but not a single sound. As quietly as I could, but it sounded like when you're opening a bag of chips when you're trying not to make a sound, I positioned myself at the tent zipper, then suddenly yanked it open and shined the flashlight. Nothing. Then I bolted for the truck about 50 yards away. I made it and looked around with the flashlight. Nothing. It was out there watching me unless it ran away when I ran to the truck. I had the window cracked a bit and watched and listened for about an hour. Nothing. I laid down in the back and tried to sleep, but it was quite chilly and I was wearing only a pair of underwear and my huge scratchy wool sweater that was luckily in the back seat. The next morning I looked for tracks but saw nothing, and for the next six or so weeks I slept in the back of the truck. My younger brother was in his room carrying out a conversation which was weird because we were alone at home. I went to see who he was talking to. There was no one there, so I asked him who he was talking to. He said the little girl with the black eyes. I asked where she was and he said that she had left. I thought he just lying. About a week later we started hearing voices and footsteps. I would be sleeping with my blankets covering me and I would wake up with them folded at the bottom of my bed. My sister got scared one night and crawled into bed with me. As she was getting into my bed I woke up, so I turned on my TV. I also turned on my light to find the remote. I left the light on along with the TV. Right when we were both drifting off to sleep, my door slammed shut, which is almost impossible as I always have a basket full of books in front of the door so that it doesn't close. The light then shut off, and my TV picture went off with static noise. I got up and went to the door. I tried to open it, but it was like someone was holding the door handle from the outside. My sister and I started to scream when my mom came and opened the door. As she did the light turned back on, and the TV picture came back. We had a priest bless the house, but the activity continues. The house was built in 2003, and no one has died there. We need help. Once while I was trekking with my family up a mountain in India, there was no trail or anything we were just climbing. Once we reached the top we saw this little hidden almost stage-like area with a tree, a pool and steps. Not that creepy, right? Except the entire tree was covered in old clothes. 
The pool was too and also with toys and footwear. Not new clothes, but quite visibly worn ones. It looked like it had all happened in a hurry, but there were close to 200-250 clothing items there. It was so scary, we high-tailed it out of there. When we returned to the hotel, we asked the staff about it. The manager said that the locals believe the fort on the other side of the hill to be haunted, and that there are various witchcraft cults in the area. He said never to go in the hills at night. This was the creepiest experience ever. It was the beginning of archery hunting season for elk, four years ago in August. My friend Richard and I, accompanied by our buddy John, embarked on an adventure to Black Bear Swamp. Little did we know that this outing would unveil a sight that would haunt our memories for years to come. As the sun began its descent, casting a golden glow upon the landscape, we found ourselves near a road at around 7 p.m. It was then that our eyes caught something peculiar. A creature stood perched upon a hill, its figure shrouded in shadows. Its hue appeared to be a murky brown, blending seamlessly with the surroundings. The sheer magnitude of this being left us in awe a towering presence that seemed to reach heights of approximately 12 feet. The image of that encounter still lingers vividly in my mind as I recall the conversation I had with Richard over the phone on August 18th. He described the creature, the words tumbling out in a mix of fascination and trepidation. The mere thought of it sent a shiver down my spine, a reminder of the enigmatic encounter we had experienced together. To this day, the details remain etched in our memories, serving as a constant reminder of the mysteries that lie within the depths of the world we inhabit. The shadowy figure, the towering height, and the haunting presence of that creature on the hill continue to fuel our curiosity, leaving us yearning for answers that may forever elude us. Four years have passed since that fateful day, and yet the impact of that sighting has not diminished. It serves as a testament to the hidden wonders that exist in the realms beyond our comprehension. Our encounter with the mysterious creature at Black Bear Swamp is a chapter of our lives that will forever intrigue and haunt us, a fragment of the unknown that forever remains embedded in our shared experiences. Marie in Minneapolis made two separate phone calls, first to Coast to Coast, and then to Darkness Radio looking for answers regarding something that happened to her the night after Halloween 2014 while doing her paper route. The event clearly disturbed her, and she couldn't explain it, nor could any of the hosts or guests of the various radio shows. This happened the night after Halloween. I deliver newspapers at night and I was delivering newspapers that night and it was business as usual. I rounded this curve and I saw a group of kids in the middle of the road. There were about six of them and they were all wearing grey robes with hoods. They didn't have the hoods on, they were down their backs. I thought that was kind of strange because Halloween had ended about ten hours before that. One of them saw me and started walking very quickly towards my car saying something. She got very close to my car and I could see that she was about 15 years old and my first thought was, why was she out there? That's pretty young to be out there at that time of night, it was about 4.30 in the morning. I didn't have time to talk to her so I drove around her, but then there were the other five kids in the middle of the road, 
And then they saw me, and they fanned out to surround my car so I couldn't move, and that scared me. I drove up on the lawn to get around them, but they were coming pretty quickly at my car, and I almost hit one of them, and then I thought, I'm gonna call the police because this is quite odd. Then I thought, I better follow them so I could tell the police what they're doing. I saw them turn down this street, and I turned to follow them, and it took about 10 seconds to get to this street, and they were gone. They had disappeared, and there's no way they could have gone to even the first house. I've been sailing all my life and have somewhere around 6,000 sea miles as well as years and years of inland dinghy racing experience. The sea just does strange things sometimes. Wind against tide and underwater obstacles causing weird currents create unnatural waves and it starts to feel like the sea is just throwing water at you at random. Fog at sea at night really mess up your senses too. Everything is quiet, and you can't see anything but the boat immediately around you. You keep looking for lights on other ships and listening for foghorns or the sound of engines in the distance and your brain starts playing all manner of tricks on you. In a busy shipping lane it's a serious business, and in a very real way it could be life or death if you miss a ship that hits you and sinks you. You start to see lights everywhere around you. You start hearing engines creeping up on you. You stop your boat and cut the engine to see if you're hearing anything real, and you enter an even stranger world of sensory deprivation. It's eerie as hell. Second edit to add this one I've just remembered, a full solar eclipse. We saw one in the middle of the English Channel, and it was the strangest thing. There was thin cloud, but the sun was visible through it. We were within the total eclipse zone and could see the shadow coming from miles away. It looked like the biggest, most angry storm I've ever seen. Generally the darker the clouds the more it's going to hurt. This was a darkness as dark as is possible at sea during the day. Talked to my dad about it afterwards, and we both felt a real uneasiness getting worse and worse the nearer it got. Our bodies and subconscious were readying us for dealing with a really shitty dangerous situation. It was just like how people sometimes describe sending a ghost. A cold chill and feeling really on edge. It really was like a ghost storm. A lot of sailing becomes instinctual after a while, and you get a feeling about what's coming from watching the clouds and waves off on the horizon. The eclipse gave off every sign of absolute nastiness, but passed without any real-world effect other than darkness. Really creepy. One time we were camping and were talking with one of the locals we came across that lived in the mountains Appalachian Mountains. He eventually talks us into going down a back gravel road to show us some more of the land. He drives us down this back gravel road and eventually turns off onto a small hill and goes back through a path into a small corner in the woods. There is a group of people in old vans with doors open, propane tanks, and other random non-camping equipment. He cuts the engine and a big dude with a scraggly beard starts slowly walking up to us. At this point we immediately knew they were cooking and gave each other the, we need to get the F out of here look. The bearded man starts talking to our driver and arguing about money a bit, and then ends the convo. Driver starts up the truck, turns around, and we leave. 
I felt like I was in the hills have eyes or deliverance. Kinda different story but nonetheless creepy and thought we were going to die. Camping with friends. I went for a walk. I was followed by something. Later it walked up to me and stared from heavy cover, then brought a large 5-inch diameter branch to warn me. I looked away and sat with it for 15 minutes before I felt it was safe to get up and go back to friends. We left campsite for the night. We drove back to Bend where we found the evacuation in progress for the Aubrey Hill fire. We had no idea the fire was happening when camping. Back when the little grocery store in Milford had a cafe, someone that worked up front mentioned the cemetery to me and asked if I had ever visited it. I said no and he told me that when I had time, I should check out the interesting names and monuments grave markers. Well, a couple years passed after that gentleman mentioned the Milford Cemetery, and I happened to be in that area, so I decided to stop. Not long before arriving, I filled my gas tank up on my truck. When I arrived at the cemetery, I found a spot to park where my truck wouldn't block other vehicles. While I was walking around, I was very careful and respectful. I couldn't help but feel a sort of hostility in the air. At first, I thought it was just me, but the longer I stayed, the more I felt odd and uncomfortable. I did pray while walking around. I'm not sure exactly how long I stayed, but it was at least an hour. Finally, I decided that I had seen enough and wanted to leave. When I got inside my truck and inserted the key into the ignition and turned the key to start, my fuel gauge showed that I had less than half a tank of gas. The truck was on flat level ground. I took the key out and looked under my truck to see if there was any gas leaking, and I could neither smell or see any. So I got back inside the truck and started the truck. Once again, the gauge still showed less than half a tank. I went ahead and drove away. The further I got down Highway 77 the higher the gauge registered. After about 5 miles, my gauge showed full again. That gauge has never acted up prior to or after visiting that cemetery. Of course, I have never gone back there, but don't have a reason to. I will be telling you what I saw and heard while on duty in the evening of Thursday, July 15, 2004. I was dispatched to an area where there had been reports of a lot of screaming. Once arriving at the scene, I met with two other officers, who we will refer to as A and B. We proceeded into a wooded area that led out onto a street near a housing development. It was from that same location that we had heard these crazy yelling screams coming from behind us in the woods, just off the side of the street. They were very loud, very high-pitched. There were some lower pitches mixed in there as well. I have never heard anything like this before since being on duty here in Plymouth County. Since my partner and I were the only ones who actually heard this, we talked about it. Both of us think that we'd heard some type of Bigfoot-like creature. While not necessarily believers, we like to say we keep our options open. We had Officer C with us as well, but he never heard the screams or anything else. One other thing I'd like to add is that there were no residences on the street at the time, nothing back off the road. 
When we first came out into the woods, there were no vehicles either. This whole area has been developed since then, though there are a few houses now back off the street. We first came out on the noise we heard down in those woods could be best described as a long scream or yell mixed with a howl and growl. It sent chills down my spine that night, even as a trained law enforcement official. I never saw anything like this before, and I have not seen or heard it since either. I do hope that one day I will see something like that again. I know there are certain things out there we cannot explain, and that's what makes it all the more intriguing. It should also be included that Officer I had a previous sighting of the same type of size of creature back in the early 90s, might have been 91 or 92. I actually spoke with him about it. He described to me what he saw. It was very similar to the way I would describe our screams that evening. The most striking thing was that he just stated that it stood there, staring at him for almost 10 minutes or so. He said it felt like it but was probably only 30 seconds. Again, all this took place out in Plymouth County. A peaceful Mohican village was nestled in the heart of the forest. Men, women, and children were engaged in their everyday tasks cooking, crafting, and storytelling. Suddenly, a deafening roar shattered the tranquility. Panic ensued as the villagers looked towards the nearby woods fear etched on their faces. An unknown predator, monstrous and swift, lunged out of the woods. The villagers scrambled to defend themselves, wielding spears and bows. Chaos and desperation filled the air. The predator unleashed a fury upon the Mohicans, attacking with relentless ferocity. Men, women and children fall victim to its savage onslaught. Amidst the chaos, only one man, winged hawk, manages to survive. Covered in dirt and blood, he clutches a wounded arm, pain etched on his face. Winged Hawk looks around, his eyes filled with a mix of horror and determination. Tears stream down his face as he gazes at the lifeless bodies of his fellow tribesmen. Voice trembling, I'll do my vengeance. Winged Hawk rises to his feet, his body filled with a newfound resolve. He glances towards the dark woods, his eyes burning with a mix of rage and sorrow. Winged Hawk prepares himself for the journey ahead. He dons a ceremonial headdress adorned with feathers, symbolizing his connection to his ancestors. With a solemn expression, Winged Hawk tightens the grip on his bow and arrows. He carries a tomahawk, his weapon of choice in his quest for vengeance. Winged Hawk ventures deep into the dense forest, his footsteps determined and unwavering. He navigates through thick undergrowth and treacherous terrain. Winged Hawk discovers a hidden cave, a place filled with ancient symbols and remnants of his tribe's history. He kneels, bowing his head in prayer and seeking guidance from his ancestors. Winged Hawk emerges from the cave, infused with spiritual strength and resolve. He knows he must confront the unknown predator that decimated his people. Winged Hawk arrives at an abandoned temple, its crumbling walls a testament to the passage of time. Shadows dance around him, as if the forest itself holds its breath. The unknown predator emerges from the shadows, its eyes gleaming with malicious intent. Winged hawk locks eyes with the beast, unflinching in the face of imminent danger. A fierce battle ensues, the clash of weapons and roars filling the air. 
Winged Hawk fights with unmatched agility and skill, his every movement calculated and precise. With each strike, Winged Hawk feels the weight of his fallen tribe on his shoulders. Determination fuels his every action as he refuses to yield, unleashing his vengeance upon the predator. Winged Hawk lands a fatal blow, striking true and bringing the unknown predator to its knees. As it takes its final breaths, Winged Hawk gazes into its eyes, a mix of triumph and sorrow in his own. Winged Hawk kneels beside the lifeless predator, his hand gently touching the beast's hide. A single tear falls, carrying the weight of his people's loss and the fulfillment of his vengeance. Hi everyone. My partner and I just got back from a long camping trip in northern Arizona. Marble Canyon, Vermilion Cliffs, and finally in the Kaibab National Forest, where this encounter took place. We were driving off-roading all day on the forest roads deep in the forest, near the north rim of the Grand Canyon. We were hunting hard for the perfect camping spot, and it was starting to get dark and my partner was getting frustrated. So we told ourselves, we'll go to the end of the next trail and camp there. Unfortunately, where that trail ended was at an expansive burn-scar forest that was completely wiped out by fire last summer. Very few living trees remained standing. It was spooky, but we decided to make the best of the situation. After getting camp set up and eating dinner, we were just hanging out by the fire. We started hearing some snapping branches in the woods and light up our flashlights. We see nothing. I grab my shotgun just in case. At this point, we're trying to be as quiet as possible, listening very intently to the woods. It was a clear night, but no moon. It was very dark beyond the reaches of the firelight. Then we hear what sounds like a whisper of a woman. We try so hard to make out the words, but it sounded foreign, like another language. It shortly thereafter grows to a crying sound, then turns to wailing like someone in incredible pain. We were absolutely terrified at this point. The sound eventually stops and we started to feel very unwelcome and very cold. We knew immediately this was a very strange paranormal experience, but not sure if this like a skinwalker or maybe just a ghost. What do you think?